Greetings, people of Earth. You have stumbled upon Voluntucky, the podcast that is all about creating a voluntarist world in Kentucky. And when I say Kentucky, I am referring to the geographic location, not the boundaries and territory of a particular set of thugs. Podcasts with a libertarian slash anarcho-capitalist perspective are already very different from other podcasts, but this one will be different even among them. Because I am not here as a commercial for voluntarism. I am not here to change your mind or to convince you that voluntarism is the way to go. I am here to speak to those who already understand this. Welcome back to Voluntucky, to episode 17. Today we're going to be talking about getting comfortable with confrontation, because we're going to have to do that a lot. If the project is going to be successful. But before we get started on today's topic, I just want to give a heads up to the listeners that the next show that I put out will be another one of those War of the Worlds type shows from Future Voluntucky. And the reason I want to do another one of those is simple. It's because the last one I did seemed to elicit more downloads than any show before or since. Not necessarily for that episode, but for like aggregate total downloads, which means the people who listen to that show then went to past episodes to listen to more, and that's my goal. Because you're not going to get what's going on here by listening to one show. There, There's too much outside programming going on in our day-to-day lives to be able to, to override that with a half an hour a week. So just like last time, this is your heads up. Because in order to have the desired effect, I'm not going to announce that anything I'm saying is is fictional until the end. That gives me the opportunity to put the listener in that headspace of envisioning what a voluntarist world can look like. Like like going to visit a a town before you decide if you want to live there. Or like uh, watching a movie. When you're watching Planet of the Apes... You're not sitting there through the whole movie thinking, apes that can talk? Really? Give me a break. No, you let yourself get lost in the premise. And that's what I want to do. Before the project can become a reality, you need to have just as clear a vision in your mind as I have in mine. And if I get more listeners of past shows after I put that out, then I'll know that it wasn't just a fluke last time. And I may have more of those fictional episodes in the future. Uh, Think of it as like fiction done in the style of a documentary. It's one of my favorite types of film. But in the next show, I'm going to reel it back a couple years from the time frame that I took you to the time before. And that that other episode was called VCM Growing Pains. And if you haven't heard it yet, if you want to go back, you can give that a listen. Uh, But that show was set in a time frame of a year or two after the trigger. This time, we're going to jump to just before the trigger happens. And I think that picture is going to look much different than what most people would expect it to look like. Okay, today, we're going to talk about confrontation and more specifically, getting comfortable with confrontation because we humans really love to avoid confrontation despite the detrimental side effects that always happen because of that avoidance. (laughs) 
And there are, there are probably a hundred different examples of how this relates, not just to the macro vision of the world, but all the way down into our personal relationships. Now, how does this topic relate to the Voluntucky Project? Well, because fear of confrontation is really the only obstacle in our way. But if we can learn to manage that fear, then there's, there's not much else standing in our way of making the project a reality. I can't lessen the very valid reasons for that fear. But maybe I can bring you up to the challenge. That fear is what is used against you to keep you in line and to keep you doing what you're told because fear is ultimately the only tool that the state has. And the only thing that the state fears is its subjects losing their fear of it. Your fear, my fear, is their power. They want you to be in fear of the Democrats and their policies. They want you to be in fear of the Republicans and their policies. They want you to be in fear of radical Islam or Sharia law policies. Or they want you to be in fear of the poor if you're not poor. Or in fear of the rich if you're not rich. They want you in fear that either government is coming to take your guns away. Or they want you in fear that government isn't coming to take guns away. And truth be told, they don't really give a damn which one of these things you fear, as long as you pick one. And if you're in fear, it's working to achieve the state's goal of controlling you. It's working all because of one big underlying fear that we all have. We all fear, myself included, that some group that's larger than us and more powerful than us will force us to comply with their demands. But we're already living with that, aren't we? <laughs> we just want to keep it from getting worse. And most people will forever see the state as the gang who's either got their back to defend them from those people, whomever those people are, or as the enforcers that are working for uh, them or the opposing team. So they try desperately to keep the gang on their side at their back because they don't want confrontation and that leaves everyone clamoring for their approval and them benefiting from those who are desperate for it. It's built into us to avoid confrontation and that's not just because of indoctrination it's in our DNA. It's like Joe Rogan says it's leftover caveman shit. <laughs> We're still very genetically similar to humans of just a few thousand years ago where the loner who left the group got eaten by wolves or abused by other tribes. And so it was very much in our self-interest to try to make peace within your own tribe if you could. And it was within our self-interest to try to make peace between tribes if you could. Because if you couldn't, it's much more likely that your ass or the ass of someone you love going to be on the front lines possibly getting killed or maimed so the loner didn't get much opportunity to spread his dna to the next generation either because he didn't live long enough uh, or because it, it's tough to meet women when you're a lone caveman and all the cave women are being defended by groups of other men and even those of us who don't mind confrontation as much as others and don't try to avoid it at all costs. 
still, a lot of times, we would just rather let someone else handle the unpleasantness. It's just easier to have police and military than it is to try to keep yourself battle-ready at all times if your life dream has nothing to do with being a tough guy. If you want to be an accountant or an artist or a truck driver or anything else, it's just easier to let somebody else handle those things. And that's not a bad thing. In Austrian economics, that's known as division of labor. Let people do the thing they want to do and the thing that they're good at. But while it's usually good to avoid confrontation, if we avoid it at all costs and we just flat out refuse to look our problems in the eye, we wind up facing more pain than we would have if we had just dealt with it while it was something small enough to be dealt with. And there are plenty of examples of this. I, I've seen this when I've had yard sales. Not many people want to negotiate on prices anymore. They see a price or they'll ask what the price is and they, they either buy it or they walk away and they don't even make an offer. You have to goad them into making an offer and ask, well, what would you give me for it? And even when you give them that window, they're still very uncomfortable. And I don't get it. It's not like I'm going to kick your ass if you offer me a stupid low price. I've seen, I have seen some idiots actually get offended at lowball offers, but so what? So somebody gets offended. What did that cost you? You're walking away from the deal with everything you walked into it with. The only thing you risked was someone getting offended, and that only matters if you care if they do. Don't load their gun for them. <laughs> Just say, nah, can't hurt to ask. <laughs> End of story. The problem with the world isn't snowflakes who are easily offended. I'll say that again. The problem with the world isn't snowflakes who are easily offended. The problem is that so many people give a damn if other people are easily offended. There's a good meme idea for you. Except for in very high-paying jobs, nobody negotiates for their pay anymore. They ask what a job pays, and they either accept it and take the job, or they walk away. They never even present a counteroffer. And most people in the position to hire wouldn't even know how to respond if, if they were paying $12 an hour and you countered with $14.50. <laughs> but our awkwardness in confrontational situations where you're not even in, in danger and you're both free to walk away with whatever you brought to the table costs us in real dollars and, and that lack of dollars has a cumulative effect on both the income because we won't negotiate our pay and the outgo because we won't negotiate prices. And the discomfort we suffer from that lack of money is worse because of that than the discomfort we would have suffered in the awkwardness of confrontation in the form of negotiation. Another example, most people who wind up divorced don't wind up divorced because they fought with their spouse too much. It's because they didn't fight with their spouse enough. <laughs> they avoided communication on the small disagreements until they turned into big disagreements and then they didn't know how to communicate. So the arguments go from zero to 60 from out of nowhere because 
one person or both feels like they've had all they can take and they pop. And communication completely breaks down and it becomes more about projecting your thoughts than it is about getting the other person to understand your thoughts. And it just turns into a screaming contest. And these are situations where we have the opportunity to negotiate all the time, but we don't. So what kind of chance do we have of learning to negotiate and face confrontation in situations where we've never had an option, where it's always been understood that you will do what you're told? When the blue lights come on in your rearview mirror, that's not a negotiation. That's a clear threat of violence if you don't comply. And even if you're freaking John Rambo and it's reasonable to think you could defend yourself against one or two guys, you comply because those blue lights can bring in a dozen more blue lights pretty quickly if you don't. It's not a negotiation. And we've been told to let cops do whatever they're going to do. And if you don't like it, file a complaint with his best friends. <laughs> and, and if his blue line club decides he did nothing wrong, they will. <laughs> what the hell do you do from there? Take it to court. Take it to a judge, right? But there's no negotiation with a judge either. Maybe things go your way. Maybe they don't. But if the judge says the ticket stands and you're not going to pay it, you don't get to say, uh, how about I just pay you half? <laughs> and if you don't like the judge's decision, what do you do from there? They'll tell you to run against him in the next election, if that's even possible, if he isn't appointed, or, or appeal his decision. And, and the process just, it goes on and on. And every step they tell you you can take to remedy a situation is ten times harder than the previous step and ten times more expensive because as much as they want you to think that you have it in your power to fix the system, in the end, it's not a negotiation. It's a plea to tyrants, and they hold all the cards. It's their game that you're forced to play. And if any deals are offered, it will be they who offer you the deal. And the bottom line of why they can do that, why they hold all the cards is because they're willing to use violence to enforce their rule. And if you use violence in self-defense of their violence, you're going to get charged with assault and locked in a cage against your will because the state sees you as their property. Therefore, you have no right to fight back. Now, if you're not acting on behalf of the state and have actually done harm to someone else or to their property and you refuse to make it right, Nobody has a problem with you being acted upon against your will because you acted against the will of the other person who didn't want their property violated either. But there are much better ways to address that than a state with whom you have no recourse against. But nobody is picketing outside a courthouse because a rapist got sent to prison. Not even his mama. There's absolutely nothing wrong with acting against the body or the property of another person against their will in order to fix the damage that they've caused or to prevent them from causing further damage. But right or wrong, in order to be able to act against someone, against their will, you have to have the ability. The cops pull you over for not wearing a seatbelt because 
they have the capability to enforce that rule with violence, with impunity, because there is no more powerful force in place to prevent him from doing so. Plain and simple. The extent to which he has to think about potential negative consequences for his actions is the extent to which he'll reconsider pulling you over for a crime against the state that does no harm to anyone. And he will always be able to enforce victimless crimes as long as that opposing force doesn't exist. Nothing changes ever until that opposing force exists. So as long as the Voluntucky Project or some effort like it remains in the realm of ideas without boots on the ground because people who don't like what the state does are still too afraid of negotiation and confrontation to even begin building the construct that will give them the ability to negotiate, the state will always use violence to enforce victimless crimes. That's the way it is. Forever and ever, amen. It's never going to change until you become comfortable with the idea of confrontation. You don't want to get comfortable with confrontation? Then shut the fuck up about having a voluntarist world. The end. Nothing gets better until you get comfortable with confrontation, until you're willing to help create the construct that can back up your counter offers. You can't bid at the auction if you ain't got no money, <laughs> and you can't negotiate with the state if you ain't got something to back up those negotiations with. We can keep doing what's smart for now while we're building that and suck it up and put our principles on the back burner for the moment. And later, we can make it smart to stand up for ourselves and do what's right after we make it possible to win. If you want to avoid chaos and war, you better learn how to deal with confrontation now. Because if you don't, it's going to cost you down the road more than it would have to learn it. You can jump up and down and holler all you want about red flag laws and keep begging the state for longer chains, longer chains, longer chains. <laughs> but you want to know what prevents your guns from being seized? It's not whether or not legislation passes. If 30 dudes in biker leather or clown costumes or bright green tights who got nothing to do with the state show up at your house and they're highly trained and skilled and willing to kill or die for their cause to take your guns, guess what? They're going to take your fucking guns. And words on paper didn't have anything to do with it. You want to know what stops 30 guys from doing that despite anything that any person ever wrote on paper? 90 sets of crosshairs, three on each of them. End of story. But see, here's the beauty in all this. The same 90 sets of crosshairs that prevent them from taking your guns are going to give you the best guarantee you are ever going to get that they won't even show up to take your guns. We don't fight cops now because we can't win. And cops won't fight us if they can't win. They're not going to walk into certain death for the right of the state to violate private property. There may be a, 
a very few who are so blind they would actually do that if given the orders. But those few will be dispatched quickly. But they don't come here from another dimension. The same laws of physics that apply to you and me apply to them. If you want to guarantee door-to-door -door gun confiscation at some point, whether it's in six months or 60 years down the road, just keep voting for the right lawmakers and signing petitions and making picket signs and chanting longer chains, longer chains, longer chains while you do nothing to gain the ability to oppose their force. And I promise you, you'll see that gun confiscation happen. No, you and your AR or your AK are not enough. You only have two trigger fingers. And you can only be in one place at a time. And you don't get paid with stolen money to train eight hours a day. The people who will come for your guns do. We don't need to outnumber the people who aren't in the Voluntucky community. We only need to outnumber their hired guns because they've been told over and over their whole lives that it's not their responsibility to enforce the edicts of the state. As long as the only thing we enforce are property violations, they are never going to take up arms against us because we refuse to pay a seatbelt ticket or because we refuse to pay property taxes or because we refuse to send our children to their schools. But if somehow, some way, we ever become what we hate and start committing property violations or imposing arbitrary victimless crime laws against people who never chose to be part of our community, then you better believe the crosshairs they will put on us will vastly outnumber the crosshairs that we put on their hired guns. And we'll get cut down in a heartbeat, as we should. See, the charter is not just for short-term self-defense. It's also for longer-term, making sure that no power ever rises to the level of power that the state has now. Ever. It's, it's for avoiding large-scale deadly conflict by way of smaller-scale show of power and small-scale conflict, if need be. But if you're looking for some way to guarantee no conflict ever... The state can't do that, and I have no idea how to make it happen either. <laughs> that would be preferred, for sure. But every single instance I can think of where there's been an extended period of time without conflict, whether it's on a national scale or in a personal relationship, it winds up, if you're lucky, it winds up only in disillusion of the relationship. The major confrontations happen when one party or the other, or both, is determined to continue the relationship after a long period of avoidance of conflict. I know you're supposed to think that there's conflict in government between groups, but I'm not talking about words. If somebody doesn't occasionally get popped in the head with a rolling pin ever so often, then somebody's going to fucking die a horrible death somewhere down the road. Before Thomas Jefferson became the very thing he hated, he said, the tree of liberty must occasionally be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants. That was from back before everybody started thinking patriots and tyrants were the same people. 
I don't usually find myself admiring people who call themselves patriots these days. It doesn't mean what it meant then. But that liberty tree has been real dry for way too long. I'd say it's dead at this point, in my opinion. It's beyond repair. So we got to plant a new seed and nurture it again from scratch. They say history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. We've been here before, haven't we? And once again, they may not accept our divorce papers. We've been in an abusive relationship for our whole lives. And most Americans have just accepted that that's the way it's always been and will always be. And given the history of this particular abusive spouse, we may very well encounter the response of, Bitch, I kill you, you try to leave me. <laughs> so we better buy the gun and rent the apartment and have some cash in the bank before we issue the divorce papers and do our best to make as clean a break as possible. This isn't happening tomorrow. We've got to play along and play their game for a while to come. That's the whole idea behind the trigger. Trying to do it tomorrow would be like taking off walking down the road with no gun, no money, no apartment, and no plan. And we can sit around the rest of our lives saying it's impossible to leave because we don't have those things right now. And when we wake up tomorrow, it will still be right now. And when we wake up in 10 years or 20 years, in that moment, it's still going to be right now. If we'd started doing this long ago, then maybe we could do it tomorrow. But we didn't, so we can't. Most people don't even want to leave. But those who do will never be able to if we don't start putting a plan into action. And that's what the Voluntucky Project is. We've got to be prepared both mentally and tactically for a potential confrontation. And we're going to do our best to avoid that confrontation at almost all costs. But if, if the cost of avoiding confrontation is failure to complete the project, then confrontation it is. If you would ever consider being part of the Voluntucky Project, I need you to go to the voluntucky.com website now and sign up for our email list so you will get a notice as soon as a, a new blog post or a podcast comes out. Once there are 100 people on the email list and 500 regular listeners to the show, I will be announcing a workshop here in Pulaski County where those first uh, community memberships are going to be established. This will also be when the community charter and all of the technologies involved with it will be considered final. Nothing changes after that. Until then, any ideas or suggestions you have on how to improve these things, you can add to the comments section on this episode at thevoluntucky.com site or look us up on Facebook at The Voluntucky Project and comment there on the, the post of this episode. I've got some kind of glitch with my email right now, so I, I don't have that available at the moment. But if you want to keep your message private, you can always hit me up on Private Messenger there, too. As of the recording of this episode, we have six subscribers, 22 regular listeners, according to Anchor.fm, and 472 downloads. 
And that regular listener number isn't really easy to figure out. How many shows do you have to listen to to be considered a regular listener? I don't know. <laughs> but that's the number that Anchor is giving me at the moment. So 6 and 22 as compared to the goals of 100 and 500 or the big goal of 10,000 members might seem insignificant. That's okay. I'm looking for a very elite group of people, so I don't expect huge numbers anytime soon. I'm much more concerned with quality than quantity of listeners. So that's why I need you to help me make sure this show reaches the ear of every single ANCAP voluntarist and liberty-loving friend you have. Because until they know the project exists, they can't make the decision of whether or not to take part. So please share, share, share those links on social media. And if, if you go that extra little step of sending that private link to individuals, they're going to be much more likely to tune in. Of course, money is needed to create the technology platform, so you can donate to GoFundMe.com backslash The Voluntucky Project if you're so inclined. But that's not my main concern at the moment. If the listenership goes up, those things will come in time. I'm not going anywhere. And don't forget about that fictional episode that's coming out next week. And make sure you tune in for that and make sure you share it mainly with people who have never heard the show. Gives us a little bit more shock value. And that's all I have for today. So thanks for listening to Voluntucky the podcast that is all about creating a voluntarist world in Kentucky. And I'll talk to you again real soon.